But this morning, her thoughts were on other matters. She thanked her maid, Dawson, as the woman laid the breakfast tray across her knees, watching as a group of fallow deer moved softly across the park outside her windows. She smiled, and the strangeness of the sensation seemed to freeze her for a moment. Is everything all right, my lady? Dawson looked concerned. Caroline nodded. Quite, thank you. I'll ring when I'm ready to dress. The maid nodded and left. Lady Brockenhurst poured her coffee carefully. Why did her heart feel lighter? Was it so remarkable? That a little harpy had tried to blackmail her dead son? That this was the reason for the existence of the boy, she had no doubt. And yet... She closed her eyes. Edmund had loved Lymington. Even as a child, he had known every inch of the estate. He could have been left in any part of it blindfold and found his way back unaided. But then he would not have been unaided, since every keeper, every tenant, every worker had taken the child to their heart. Caroline knew well enough that she was not loved, and nor was her husband. They were respected, in a way, but no more than that. The local people thought them chilly and unfeeling, hard and even harsh, but they had given birth to a prodigy. That was how she thought of Edmund, a prodigy, a golden child who was loved by everyone he knew. At least that was how he had come to seem as the empty, lonely years stumbled on, until, with the varnishing patina of history, she came to believe that she, of all people, had given birth to the perfect son. They'd wanted more children, of course, but in the end, and after three stillbirths, only Edmund was left to occupy the nurseries on the second floor. Yet he was enough. That was what she told herself, and it was the truth. He was enough. As he grew, the tenants and the villagers looked forward to the day he would inherit. She knew that, and told it against herself. He was their hope for a better future and maybe he would have given them one. But now they had only Peregrine to endure, and John to look forward to. An old man with no interest in life, to be followed by a greedy, selfish peacock who would care no more for them than if they were stones in the road. How sad. But this morning Caroline felt different. She looked round the room, which was lined in pale green striped silk with a tall gilt looking-glass above the chimney-piece and a set of engravings on the walls, wondering quite what was making her feel unlike her usual self. Then, with a kind of surprise, she realised she felt happy, as if the sensation were so lost to her that it took her a while for her to identify it. But it was true. She was happy to think her child had left a son. It wouldn't change anything. The title, the estates, the London house, everything else would still be John's. But Edmund had left a son. And might they not come to know this man? Might they not find him and help him? After all, they would not be the first noble family to boast a love child. The late king's bastards were all received at court by the young queen. Surely they could lift him from obscurity. Surely there must be some property outside the entail.
Her imagination was beginning to spill over into a myriad of possibilities. Didn't that tiresome woman say the boy had been brought up by a clergyman, in a respectable household, and not by herself and her vulgar husband? With any luck, he would favour his father and not his mother. He might even be a sort of gentleman. Of course she knew she had given her word that she would say and do nothing to reveal the truth, but was it necessary to keep one's word if it were given to someone like Mrs. Trenchard? She wriggled. Caroline Brockenhurst was a cold woman and a snobbish one. She would have admitted as much, but she was not dishonest or dishonorable. She knew she could not break her oath and turn herself into a liar. There must be some other way through the maze.